Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Hi, my name is Teresa Blaze, and welcome to the Unresolved Life 100th episode. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah, t- this is the 100th episode of the podcast, and I could not be any more excited. First of all, I want to thank every single person that has been a guest, that has actually taken the time to listen, or that has participated in this podcast in any way, shape, or form, uh, leaving, uh, putting up blog posts or, you know, just Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I could not have done any of this without you. And I also want to thank, first and foremost, uh, my Lord and Savior. Tonight, I've decided to kind of bring Mike on, who is also my husband and producer of the show. We've kind of decided to flip the script a little bit and turn the show over to someone who's no stranger to this mic. Someone who has become a very good friend to the ministry and a, and a partner in a lot of different ventures that we're doing. You know her as our resident spiritual warfare expert. I know her as that and as a really good friend. Sonda Ellison, welcome to the show. Hello and congratulations. What a great achievement. A hundred episodes. This is really cool. I'm so excited. I keep thinking about it and I'm like at a loss for words. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is. And I'm Michael, by the way, in case you've never heard my voice, I'm the producer. I'm the dude that works all the the stuff to make this all work and connect. And he puts all the wires and, together. <laughs> <laughs> add a little bit more. But anyway, um, I, I mean, I think back to when this all started and, you know, how far God has brought us in, in this whole process. If I can remember we were we were at podcast movement. 2017. And we were, we were in the hotel room. The Lord gave Teresa a word about starting a podcast, another podcast. And we were like, you know, we were looking up names and trying to figure out and something about unresolved just hit us like between the eyeballs. I looked it up and it was, I couldn't find unresolved.com or unresolved ministries or anything crazy like that. And then unresolved life came, uh, unresolved dot life came up and it was like, that's it. That's perfect. And that's where it started back November last year. No, not Uh, even. uh, Was it last year? It was last year. So not only are we celebrating a hundred episodes, but we're celebrating our one year, one year, am I thinking? No, two years, two years. Holy moly. Two years of, of, of podcasting. Man. Well, tonight, I've not only brought on Mike to uh, join me in, in celebration of this 100th episode, but I've decided to flip the script. You guys know that I do a lot of the interviews, or Mike joins me in doing the interviews sometimes. But tonight, I've decided to flip the script, and um, I'm handing that mic over to Sonda. So, uh, Sonda, it's all yours. All right. Fasten your seatbelt. Go for it. And I should add, I have no idea where she's going, guys. So this is. This will be fun. And Michael, as usual, was already heading in that direction because that is one of the questions that I think your listeners want to know is how all this got started. Why don't you describe 
how you actually got started with the podcast and what do you believe God was showing you that he wanted you to do? It started because I had a lot of questions. I mean, this wasn't, I wasn't planning on this turning into some big thing. I didn't know what it was going to turn into. God had wanted me to write this book uh, around some of the issues in my own personal life. And I was, um, for lack of a better word, resistant. (laughs) And um, note to self, that's not a good idea to be resistant when he asks you to do something. Just saying. Um, But he asked me this question. And it was something to the effect of, if you're not willing to write a book yet, would you at least start a podcast? And I thought, I could do that. Okay, I think I could do that. And the podcast itself was not even, I'm going to turn this into this big thing. It was more just me. I've got these questions and mainstream Christianity isn't really helping the issue. I've got questions that a lot of people are struggling to answer. I just decided to take my questions as raw and real as they were to the mic because I figured if I had them, maybe a few others had them. And it kind of went from there. So that first podcast, Michael, you said was a year ago? Uh, Two years ago. Two years ago. Oh, goodness. November November 2017, I believe. If I remember right, we did it. The first episode was done at the beginning of the month. Yeah, that sounds about right. And since you started in November of 2017, what do you two, both of you, you know, tell us what was the most amazing thing that you've seen God do through the podcast? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) For me, it has to be the suicide prevention story that I received. That was incredible. I had done this interview about this guy. He had a very uh, uh, similar story to my own regarding his his mom passing away, um, in his case, through suicide. I interviewed him. We talked. And I didn't know what was going to come of that, if anything. And I got this email, even today it still just hits me. I got this email from this lady. She she was a Christian, but she was struggling with suicidal thoughts and struggling. And she said that the, the episode was shared with her on Facebook and that she wanted to talk to the guy that I had interviewed. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I at the time, I was like, I'm not quite sure what to do about this. I didn't expect this. I did my best to reach out to her to encourage her. And then I forwarded her email on to the guy that um, I interviewed. But that was, you know, it was basically, hey, because of your show, I didn't hurt myself. That's when I realized I've got something here. I think for me was our, uh, how it redirected us and put us in in touch with people that, that are in the Messianic movement. And it changed our whole way of looking at Jesus and the Old Testament and the law and all the different things. It, it totally changed our entire way of thinking. Sonda was the catalyst for that. I'll never forget that one conversation, Sonda, we had when you said, are you sure you want to know this? Because once you know it, you can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know the truth. I mean, that's what Unresolved Life is supposed to be about, answering life's most difficult questions. 
You know, that's that's an amazing thing that you brought up. I had no idea that you would bring that up, Michael, because do you know that I still get questions? I mean, and everybody that's working in ministry, uh, I keep hearing they say the same thing. I still get questions. Where can I where can I find a congregation? I can't find a decent church in my area. And people are asking these same questions. The other question would be then how willing how much do you want to know the truth? Are you saying you want to know the truth or do you really want to know the truth? Because learning what the truth is can change everything. We have to be confronted with this whole idea. Um, I just did another interview yesterday and this came up in the interview that what's a, a whole lot of what we've been taught that church, quote unquote, is supposed to look like is absolutely not in the Bible. It is not what the first century believers were doing. And there has, in the United States, there has come to be some sort of an, almost like an arrogance around it, that this is the way it is here, but it's not just here. If you don't do it the way we do it here, well, you're the one that's wrong. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I was just listening to uh, this week's Kingdom Intelligence Briefing, which, by the way, guys, I'll add, um, if you want another podcast to follow up uh, this one, check that one out. It's it's one of the best out there on the market, period. Oh, um, I, rec- I still recommend it every day to clients, so I absolutely agree with you. Uh, but he was talking about how, um, you know, the Western church is so screwed up and how if you move out of America and the westernized church, Christianity is so, 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 so different. Yeah, you know, as I said in the interview yesterday, the first century believers— you know, right after Yeshua died, when all of the first congregations were forming, and the word in the scripture is congregation, not church, by the way, for those who don't know that, when they were getting together, they were not singing just as I am. We have to look at that and then be willing to say, okay, Lord, you are more important than the traditions of men. We have to be willing to do it the way you want us to do it, not the way so-and-so said he thinks or she thinks we should do it. We need to do it from the whole word. And I know the three of us have talked about this so many times, how adamant we all three are taking the whole word of God from cover to cover, not just part of it, not just a few books, not just the New Testament, the whole thing. And when we do that and we restore the lens of the Hebrew roots of our own faith, it becomes really obvious that we've gotten way off track in the United States. And it's no surprise then, and Teresa has asked me this question when she's interviewed me, it's no surprise then what we're seeing, people leaving Christian churches and going to the occult. Because for the most part, the church is powerless. The the, the mainstream Christian church is powerless. Which is the very embodiment of that verse that says having a form of religion, but denying its power. And instead of criticizing some other country, we need to look in the mirror. That's the United States church right now. Teresa, do you remember back in, when was it? It was like 2000, probably nine, no, two, like 2007. And I found that article about how the, how the, the center of Christianity was moving from the United States to, uh, I think it's South America. I think it was like South Korea, as I recall. Mm, I don't remember. Was it? Was it? I know what you're talking about. Um, <coughs> but you know, it. You know, we. It's a lot harder to call America a Christian nation anymore. 
Yeah, well, theologians are agreed that we are now living in a post-Christian culture in the United States. So that's not even debated anymore. And so it comes up, you know, in, in the counseling that I do with people and also just in conversation. We now have to look at this as other countries have looked at it. You know, in the first century, they were in a pagan culture, the Roman culture, right? They were in a pagan culture, the temple priests, the um, temple prostitutes, Human sacrifice and fanicide was common. I mean, all of these things. And they were called when they got saved, they were walking away from everything that their families had done for a long time. Everybody called them crazy. Everybody said, what are you doing? That's not the way it's supposed to be done. You're supposed to do it this way. The gods are so-and-so. And they had the lists of the names of the gods that they wanted to serve. In that way, to do that right now in the United States. I mean, you look at, the, look at abortion. As an example, you know, abortion, and I never recognized this before until, you know, I started to understand that, you know, abortion is nothing but the, a mass human sa- sacrifice, you know, made in the name of convenience. That is sick. And one of the sick things about it also is that people have no idea how many witches and Satanists work and support these clinics. And all of the illegal stuff that goes on around it. Well, case in point, look at the um, look what's going on with the Planned Parenthood trial. Uh, uh, the uh, I think it's Liberty Council is actually defending, and I think one other alliance defending freedom maybe is defending the people that actually went undercover to get that footage. The Center for Amer- um, Medical, I don't remember what their name is, but they're having to defend them now. And the stuff that's coming out of that trial is, I mean, I just sit back and I go, Lord, this is getting real dicey down here. American Center for Law and Justice, ACLJ and Jay Seculo, they've been involved in some of these things also against Planned Parenthood. But mm-hmm. you talked to Teresa, I just wanted to throw that in there. Yep, yep. I know I've been following them too. But Sandra, I just want to say in relation to the Hebrew roots, I remember a conversation that we had. And, you know, in getting back to, you know, the theme of things here, I remember a conversation that we had and it was, um, I brought a question to you that had been bugging the tar out of me and no other Christianese answer could really satisfy. They kept trying to wash it away and not wash it away, but trying to answer it without getting to the root of it. And it was because you had a, a Hebraic roots mindset. You were able to not only accept the question, but also answer it. And I remember walking away from that, and I remember going, finally, finally, someone has an answer I can actually work with. Praise the Lord for that, because you know what? The scripture tells us there is a hunger in our hearts to know the Lord. You know, the very earth is crying out for his return. You know, they're mourning the the rocks and the trees. You know, it's a lot of those verses just amaze me. And I just ponder them sometimes. All of creation, you know, is kvetching, waiting for the Lord to return. There is an answer there. And matter of fact, I just told a client in counseling today, the Lord is not afraid of your questions. If he is the God of the universe, he's not afraid of your questions. So we have nothing to lose to ask. I'm wondering, though, Why is it then, I mean, and maybe this is something that I'm kind of wrestling with nowadays. Why is the church so afraid to go there? Well, this is a complex issue. It's not a one-point answer. There's a multi-pronged answer that comes about 
when we start talking about this subject. One is there's been a very slow, very deliberate, planned out. We, you know, this is something that's not theory. This is absolute fact. We have the documents of it. We know when these things started happening. I just can't remember the name of the organization without looking it up and discussing it. But there was a very deliberate infiltration by the occult into all things related to churches, into every church, church organizations, church staff, all of the seminaries. And then there was a certain church, but I don't remember the name of it. And, uh, um, I think it was in the central northern Midwest. But anyway, it was a large church and they hired a new age guru to teach them how to grow to massive numbers. That was really, and this was back, when was it? The late 70s or 80s, I think. But that's when the mega church began. So this entire thing, and this is why, see, And let me just say this, because this is really hard for someone who's never heard it before. If you've been listening to this podcast, you're used to us discussing these really challenging questions. If this is your first time listening, this might be tough for you, but we have to be willing to say, Lord, forgive me, show me what I've done wrong. Maybe we're not doing it the way you wanted it. Because when we start looking at that issue in scripture, The modern church in the United States is not anything remotely close to what is described as supposed to be the congregation of the believers of the way. The congregations are supposed to be small. We're all supposed to support one another and be involved with one another. We we are told we are going to cast out demons, heal the see healing of the sick. We're supposed to be seeing all of these things, demonstrations of the power of the living God on a regular basis. The joy that overflows. I don't know any mainstream churches where that's taking place. And I certainly didn't see that growing up. So that's when my own journey began. Nobody around me was walking in power and love and a sound mind and embodying what the Bible was telling me Christians were supposed to exude. And I wasn't seeing congregations that were doing that. I knew what I'd been raised in. And I'd been raised in, you know, a number of uh, like church backgrounds. We went to a Pentecostal church sometimes. We were mostly in um, a Southern Baptist church. And then for a long time, we went to a non-denominational church as well. This model for quote unquote church in America is not the model we get in scripture. So guess what? When we're not doing it God's way. Guess what happens? He, you know, and it's like we've talked so many times about the feasts. We were told not to do the feast. Well, where did that start with? It started with Constantine and saying anything to do with all of those things, you had to stop doing them or pay with your life. That was the council at Nicaea, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was the part of it, the council at Nicaea, but it happened in a couple different ways. Um, And then a lot of the early church fathers were incredibly anti-Semitic and saying in writing that we need to get rid of everything that related to or looked or resembled like the things of the Jews. How can you say something like that when we serve a Jewish rabbi? Yeshua is a Jewish rabbi. It makes no sense whatsoever. So when we look back and we start dissecting this and realizing where some of these things came from, like switching, I heard someone on a Christian radio today talking about why we are supposed to be, um, that the Sabbath was switched from Saturday to Sunday but yet when the caller asked the question, why do you believe that it should have been switched to set from Saturday to Sunday? They couldn't name a single scripture verse. There's not a single verse that says this. It does say that they got together sometimes, you know, on 
Sunday because the Lord was raised on Sunday. But nowhere in scripture does it say Sabbath is now changed ever. And when we go back to the beginning of the book, God says you will do it this way forever. We've lost all of the feasts. So there's this, you know, it's a multi-pronged discussion that we can go down about why the church is in the pickle that it's in right now, why there's no power there. Well, if you continue to do things, refusing to do them God's way, choosing to do them your own way, doing Halloween celebrations from the pulpit, dressing up like Michael Jackson's thriller on the pulpit in a church for a Halloween celebration. Halloween, you know, and we've done episodes on Halloween. Halloween is an, it's the most powerful occult holiday. There are a couple, Halloween and the marriage to the beast ceremony and all of these things. There's like almost two weeks of time around Halloween where they are kidnapping people, tormenting, torturing people, preparing them for human sacrifice, then making human sacrifices. All of these things. How in the world can you claim to follow Yeshua and have anything to do with that? We are not allowed to do that. God says, come out of her, come away from her, be different from the world, be the light. Let me shine through you as the light and then then be different so that they can see that there's a difference. Those who are unsaved will right now, you know, and has been going on for quite some time. Churches are acting like the unsaved and they claim they want to do so in order to draw the unsaved. Well, you can never minister to the unsaved by becoming the darkness that they need to be delivered from. That's the seeker-sensitive movement, isn't it? Yes. So we are seeing it's disobedience. And when you're disobedient to the Lord and you refuse to do things God's way, well, guess what? The protection gets removed and you're not going to see the blessings that he says that you will have when you do things his way. So there are a lot of things that are contributing to this. But then we've also gotten several generations now that have been raised in all of this. And all at the same time that we've seen that occult and disobedience, according to the word of God, moving into the quote unquote church. At the same time, we're seeing a rise in occult power, uh, major numbers um, just exploding in all versions of the occult and Wicca and witchcraft. And we're seeing the warfare increasing. Well, gee, what a surprise that the church is losing power increasingly and also losing numbers. And the occult is, is rising in numbers and also rising in power. And so, yeah. It's, it's all, there's so much going on there. It's a really big subject. And then the church is powerless on top of it because they poo-poo spiritual warfare. You know, to me, that's the saddest bit of all when you talk to, when you talk to Christians. And I mean, supposedly strong Christians. And they're sitting there going, oh, it's just a virtue. And you're sitting there going, no, it's not. Paul was pretty explicit. Hello. Put on the whole armor of God that you would be able to that you would be able to stand and having done all to stand. And, you know, it's like you talk to these people and they're clueless. And the, the attack is increasing. Well, gee, what a what a what a coinkadink, because you've now been raised to believe that the devil doesn't exist. You've been raised to believe that there's no such thing as spiritual warfare. You've been raised to believe that if there is spiritual warfare, it can't happen to a Christian. I mean, all of these things are complete lies. And so it's no surprise that the church has lost power and it's being defeated. And it breaks my heart. And I know you guys feel the same way because it doesn't need to be this way. We serve a mighty God. He is alive and he tells the truth. He didn't leave us defenseless and we can share this. And this is 
one of the things that can turn this situation around, we are commanded to be taking back the territory from the enemy, pulling down the strongholds of the enemy, not running and cowering while the occult is growing in number. You know, and obviously as they grow in power, we have no excuse also because the Bible tells us all of this is going to happen. But most people who claim to be Christian don't read the Bible. So we have the whole story in the book, um, you know, this guidebook to the supernatural, as L.A. Marzulli calls it. And no one seems to understand even that we are, well, not no one, that's an exaggeration, but an awful lot of people who claim to be Christian don't even seem to understand that we are living in the last days and we are seeing all of these prophecies unfold right before our eyes. That means that this warfare is going to get a whole lot more intense and we need to be ready. Spiritual warfare is not something you pull out in an emergency. It's something you walk in 24-7. It is part of the definition of being a believer in Yeshua. The last episode I did, episode 99, I gave an inside look to spiritual warfare, kind of spiritual warfare behind the scenes. And I talked about some things that were going on. Well, something happened to me and Mike when we were walking back home from a uh, uh, from dinner. I you, you want to talk about spiritual warfare, guys? You want to talk about this stuff being real? I was walking home and... You know, it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, e- early evening, and we were walking home. We but were you and you and Michael were walking together. It wasn't just you. Make sure yeah. that people don't yeah. get confused. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, we were walking together, and it was kind of early evening, and we were walking down the sidewalk, and I heard this growl, and it wasn't like a typical dog that's, hey, bark, 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 hey, human, there, I'm gonna bark because I can because I want you to know that this is my yard. No, this thing was real close to me, and it was more like, I'm going to eat you for dinner. She wanted a Teresa snack. Yeah, and I, it was funny. In the moment, I wasn't scared, but I kind of moved because I'm thinking, okay, that was a dog or something. I'm going to move behind Mike. (laughs) And Mike was like, are you okay? And And I told him, I said, there was a dog or something there, and it growled. And I asked, you know, did you hear it? He's like, no. He looked back and he didn't see anything. As soon the moment I told him what was going on, the Lord spoke and went, that was spiritual because there was nothing there. And I'm telling you guys, and the thing was, I, w- I was hearing this with my physical ears, not in my head. I could have sworn that thing was real close to me. And so what did you guys do? Well, <laughs> I'm like, you know, at first we're like, I, I was double checking. You're sure you didn't see anything? No. We used a Sondaism. <laughs> Well, uh, first of all, you know, we rebuked the, you know, we're, I'm like, okay, if this thing's spiritual, we know what to do. We were immediately rebuked or, you know, I mean, we had already armored up, but we immediately rebuked and we're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you're not following us home. Whatever you think you are, you are not following us home. And then I remembered, uh, a, a Sondaism that she had co- uh, commented on. And I'm like, and by the way, if you decide to follow us home, you will lose appendages. <laughs> You know, I, I was just like, I'm not having this. But this is what we're called to as Christians. This is what we're called to as the remnant, to have a relationship that is so close to God that, you know, where you've got the Holy Spirit hanging on you and pointing out what's going on around you. And I mean, I, it, it's like, it, it, and believe me, when when something's not right, Teresa and I almost sent it like instantly, like, oh, there's something hanging on us. We need to deal with this. 
Right. And our spiritual radar improves, doesn't it? And that's, it's amazing because this is one of the things when you've been taught that supernatural power doesn't exist. And these are the people that say, oh, those Satanists, all oh, those witches, they're just dancing around fires and doing something they think is fun. No, there's real power in this. That's why they do it. That's why people are leaving churches and going into the occult because they're seeing demonstrations of supernatural power on a regular basis. Right. So we have to get get this lie. And in my opinion, this is one of the greatest lies the devil has ever put on the on the congregation of Yeshua. There are three, in my opinion, number one is getting us to be removed and ignore our Hebrew roots because it tweaks our understanding of all of scripture when we do that. Um, One is getting to believe that the devil doesn't exist. And I think number two on that list, that what I just said was number three. Number two on that list, in my opinion, is no longer teaching spiritual warfare, teaching that there's no such thing as a supernatural and there's no such thing as spiritual warfare. The very tools with which we are equipped to defeat all of the forces of darkness, we have been told don't exist and that the darkness doesn't even exist. But yet I have a steady stream of people contacting me through my email box saying, please help me. All of these mature believers are in a corner, so to speak, metaphorically, in their homes because they can't handle all of the the attack that they're getting. And they don't know where to go because their churches teach them this doesn't exist. Well, guess what? When are you going to finally wake up and admit that it's a lie? So the enemy has us ignorant, believing that he doesn't exist and that supernatural um, power doesn't exist. You aren't taught the, the warfare's tactics and strategies and using the tools that God has given us because the word says he did not leave us defenseless. So what are you going to do if you go to a regular church in the United States? You know, you can't talk about it. The people that I deal with are often on staff. And they're probably going to call. They're probably going to want to call in a psychologist or a psychiatrist because they're going to think you're out of your mind. And I'm going to use a quick example if I can. And this is this is Teresa's and my story. Back before we were married, uh, Teresa and I were dating, and she started having these seizures. But it was the weirdest seizure you've ever seen because she wasn't jerking around and all of that. She would stiffen up. Every muscle in her body would contract. I used the rudimentary spiritual warfare that I knew, but my life was not right before God at the time. And so I did not have the power to cast it out to get rid of it. And I mean, it was so bad. They finally ended up putting her on Depakote and other uh, other medication, trying to keep these things under control. And they were not under control. And finally, we went and we, we went to a, uh, a special test, uh, a uh, epilepsy test where they take you off all your medicines, they put you in the hospital, they take you off all your medicines, and they scan you to, to see if, where, if you're having seizures and what part of the brain is causing the seizure. If you've ever had a CAT scan where they put the electrodes on your brain, that's exactly what they do, but they do it like over an extended period of time. Yeah, it's like, it's like three days long. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> but and, you know, Teresa's wired for sound, and you know they give you a little clicker so you can click when you think you're having a seizure. Well, none of Teresa's seizures were being caused by this uh, by epilepsy. There was no thing in the brain that was causing them, 
And I knew they were spiritual. And I remember talking to our pastor at the time and said, hey, I think these are spiritual. And it was like, deer in the headlights look like, uh, okay. What are you talking about? I don't know what to do with this. You need to go get some help kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, we went through all the medical medical junk, even to the point of uh, our Teresa being on Depakote during her first trimester and causing damage to to our our daughter, our our kiddo. But anyway, let's let's keep going, Trace. We're getting sidetracked. <clears throat> but anyway, the point is, it wasn't until last year, and we have Sonda to thank for this. Mm-hmm. Sonda. Using using the gifts that God gave her was able to identify what was causing this and being able to being able to cast it out, cast it off. And you know, so you know, my wife suffered 13 years of these gnarly, gnarly seizures that were literally tearing up her body, tearing up her mind, you know, keeping her from being able to function being able to take care of her of her daughter etc and you know it wasn't until god brought sonda across our path that we were able to get these things handled and you asked me sonda you asked me earlier getting back to uh inter- um the interview you asked me what one of the biggest things that is um resulted of this podcast i met you and now i'm free why don't you describe, Teresa? Well, you know what? Before we do that, why don't we do a quick pause? And then on the other side of this quick break, I, would, I think your listeners would love to know what that felt like being delivered from that and experiencing the freedom afterwards. So right before we get to that, I'll allow you to gather your thoughts on that. Let's do our brief um, break for our sponsor. This broadcast is supported by Restoration Filtration. Restoration Filtration provides best-in-class water filtration at the best prices. Why should you filter your water? All kinds of environmental factors affect the quality of water that comes out of your faucet. Fires, floods, and other emergencies can impact water quality for miles in every direction. Toxic spills happen with greater frequency in today's world, and chemicals that aren't good for your body are often found in the public water supply. Restoration Filtration provides best-in-class filtration with point-of-use units, whole house systems, and the best travel unit available. Visit their website at restorationfiltration.com. They provide service nationwide in the United States. Their website, again, is restorationfiltration.com. That's restorationfiltration.com. So visit them today and support all of the sponsors that work to support this broadcast. So getting back to this story, wow, none of us knew this was going to go in this direction, but clearly the Lord is leading this. So Teresa, describe for the listeners what it felt like for you before you were delivered from this and then after you were delivered from this. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And and it was just one of those things that no one had any answers for. And I was afraid to share with a lot of people. Um, It was just something I dealt with. It was something that, I mean, when I would go through it, it would tear me up. I would, it would hurt. And I was pretty much useless for the rest of the day as far as productive activities, life activity, that kind of thing. I was pretty much screwed up. Working with you and intensive prayer and learning what I needed to know, learning the root causes, and finally learning that I could be free of this thing. And the day that we actually got rid of some of the root causes of a lot of the root causes 
it's like being let loose out of a jail cell that you didn't even know you were in. Did your joy increase? Oh, yeah. I actually began to hear God better. I actually began to, oh, he's actually talking to me again. I began to realize that I could gain victory over these things. You know, sometimes the enemy tries to hit me with something. And I, I, I know the steps that I have to take in order to, um, in order to fight it back. But I am not a prisoner of them anymore. Thank you, Lord. And let me just state very clearly for our listeners, this, and Teresa would agree with me, but, and Michael too, but this has nothing to do with me. It's just learning what God wanted us to do in the first place. This is why we do the things that we're doing with podcasts and with the ministry that I have at Myrtle Ministries, and that's MyrtleMinistries.com. Like, this is why the three of us do these things to get this word out that our Lord did not leave us defenseless to get picked around by a bunch of spiritual thugs. I often call them mongrels for a reason. (laughs) Yes. So this is not, it's not about me. It's just about, wow, the Lord is using people to spread this information. So if this is new information to you, I really, um, I, I just really encourage you to, um, to start checking this out, go to my website. There's tons of information on my website. I just released a book in September on uh, September at the Steve Quayle conference. That book is called Power Infusion. That is an absolute must read. When you, I mean, if someone wants to ask me about spiritual warfare, I hand them that book. Yep, and you know, Sonda's book to the, to the gills. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> this is the next best thing. Honestly, it is so well written. It, this mm. is the, I haven't even finished it yet. This is the primer that if you really want to get into this, if you really want to have to to have your life set free, if you really want to have Christ operating in your life and victory in your life, this is the book you need, without a doubt. Well, I don't even, I don't even know what to say to that except thank you. God praise the Lord because. That's what the Lord led me to do, because the three of us, no matter how hard we work, we can't get to everybody that needs help. No. And this is one of the ways that we can help people that we will never be able to meet in person. We will never be able to even speak to on the phone. There is help out there. And there are so many hurting people because of the state of the anemic Christian church in the United States. Oh, that's a good way to put it, Sonda. We just want to give. Well, we just want to give you tools to let you know your, your situation is not hopeless. These forces are vicious to an extent that no human being can really wrap their head around. They kill you the if they can. The most evil human being. They, well, it's beyond that. It's not even about death. They want to torment you as much as possible for as long as possible throughout this life and throughout all of eternity. They want to make sure you don't get saved. If they lose you getting saved, they want to keep you ignorant and powerless and tormented and doing spiritual warfare, um, having to be just beaten about the head and shoulders for the rest of your life here. They don't want you to learn this information because let me tell you something. The Bible, the word of God is true. And when it says that at, at the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that he alone is Lord. That is the truth. And these dark minions 
do not have authority over us as believers. And we do have the authority if we are walking in power and love and a sound mind and obedience and walking in repentance, walking in forgiveness, praying and interceding for others. If we are walking the way he wants us to do and all of those things I just listed there, they must bow. They must bow. And even non-Christians have noticed this when, you know, I did research for decades about the occult and ghost hunting programs and all that kind of stuff. There even non-Christians would notice that for some reason at the name of Jesus, they, they get very unhappy. <laughs> they don't like it. They don't have a problem with you mentioning Buddha. They don't have a problem with you mentioning Muhammad. It is not Muhammad. It is not Buddha. It is Yeshua Hamashiach. He alone Amen. is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And these dark minions must run and flee and bow when we use the tools that we've been given. And we have to learn this information. We do not have to be defeated. We can take back our country. We can turn this around. We can rebuke and renounce these spirits of division, trying to cause racial division, trying to cause division of other types, trying to get into our children's schools, kindergarten and first grade and preschool, gender bending nonsense. This is child abuse. And we must stand up and say, oh, no, you are not coming against our children. Not in our country. You will not. We have to draw a line in the sand and we have the power to do this. If we will just take the time to learn to do it God's way. The Lord reminded me of a uh, story. Um, one of our dear, dear friends whom I'm not going to mention names or anything, but we were talking to her and I asked her how things were going. And what did she tell us? She said, if you knew really, you know, my pastor just had to call the cops on my son because he threatened to stab me. Okay, and 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 he's now with his dad, who, by the way, is not a believer. Okay, and she said, "I can't be with him," and I'm, and it just it breaks your heart. Yeah, I mean, you you see these people that are so uh, broken. I mean, I know someone who's in a who who drives a cab. We run run into her often and her daughter is sitting there hearing voices that are clearly demonic okay and all you can do is try and offer the gospel and she's like oh i'm not sure about that i believe in spirits and good spirits and bad spirits i'm like okay um question where are the powers coming from that they're offering you you know these th this is I didn't understand all of this when I first started, guys. I didn't understand all this. I understand. I understood it to a to a, a, a small pebble of understanding. I wish I, I I wish that I understood more. So much, you know. You know, before I got into the addictions that I got into, before I got into all that occultic filth that I got into, and I had to go through being set free from all that. I wish I'd have known what I know now. Boy, wouldn't the story be different if we knew then what we know now. And even though, and I know, Michael, you've said something similar to what I'm about to say, is that even though I had had what some, what was called spiritual warfare training, what I know now, it's like, oh my gosh, that wasn't even barely scratching the surface. Yeah. And it's not even a training thing. It's more of a, I'm, if it's a training, I would call it almost on the job training. 
because it's like, you know, you're constantly, yeah, you know, the basics, but then you get it, you have something happen to you, you get exposed, exposed to something. And it's like, oh yeah, I remember Sonda talking about that. Or I remember Dr. Lake talking about that or, uh, or Mary Lou or, you know, any of the other, uh, any of the other awesome teacher mentor people that are, who are really good at this stuff. And I want to announce something, Sonda, and I don't think I told you this. We don't. Th- I don't think we mentioned this. Do you remember how you talked about in a previous episode, you cu- talked about uh, accursed objects? Oh, yes. We found the object that we, that we had talked about off air and we destroyed it. <gasps> oh, we'll have to talk about that after we finish. Wow. You know, and I'm, I'm not really sure why there are some people in Christendom who teach that. There's no such thing as charged objects. Well, but we know from scripture that's not true. So what if, what is our proof text? Because again, don't believe me. Don't believe Teresa. Don't believe Michael. Look it up because your guidebook is the word of God. Check everybody, no matter who you're listening to. Check everybody. Nothing replaces your time of study with the Lord and his word. But the proof text for this is, Michael, correct me. Was it Paul or Peter? Wasn't it Peter? No, it was Paul. Okay, the prayer cloths, they had prayer cloths that were just near him that they took little strips of these cloths to all different areas all over the region. And people that touched these cloths got completely healed. So what does this show us? This shows us that an object can be imbued with supernatural power. And we know that God's kingdom is the way God wants it. The Lord of darkness is the Lord of inversions. So he inverts and perverts everything that God has in his structure. So in the occult, we see all of the imitation, the lying. So what the Holy Spirit indwells us in the dark side, they've got possession. In on in serving our king and savior, there was an ultimate blood sacrifice that was made by the king of kings and Lord of lords for us for all time. That brings us salvation when he died on the cross. In the dark side, they use human sacrifice. Okay? So they pervert everything. It's upside down. So we have we have prayer. We have opportunities where we know at least sometimes, at least sometimes, being conservative, the Bible gives us a demonstration when at least sometimes God has chosen to imbue an object with his power. So what, guess what? It's not a surprise that the dark side does this as well. And they do this with really dark spell casting and all kinds of dark rituals. So we need to be aware that these things can happen. And sometimes when people will start with me, they'll say, I don't want to do, spend all my time talking about dark stuff. There's this perception that learning spiritual warfare is talking all about the dark stuff. Well, no, that's not the case. It's like being on the top college football team in the United States, the top two, and you're about to go to the final game for the season. Okay. You need to know who your enemy is. Who is the opponent? How do they function? What are their plays that they run on every single game? And we also have to know how to use our tools. Well, if you've got pads in the locker room and you don't know how to use them and you go out into the game without wearing them, guess whose fault that is? You're going to get beaten up. So you've been given tools. We just need to learn what they are. God is faithful. God cannot lie. He is not a liar. He keeps his word. He is faithful. It's the dark side, the Lord of the darkness. He's the one who lies and perverts and twists and tells half-truths to get you away from the word of God. So we have to know the word. We have to know what our tools are, and we have to understand our enemy and what the enemy is after. 
And we're also kind of coming down. I can't believe it's almost the end of the program. We've only got a few minutes left, you guys. I would like to just say, this has been amazing. I'm so honored that you had me come on to help to host with you and to celebrate this 100th episode. And clearly the Lord wanted us to talk about the state, the anemic state of the church, the importance of putting on our glasses of the Hebrew roots, understanding scripture, because our understanding is so changed when we get our Hebrew roots back in line. And then talking about the importance of spiritual warfare in our time, because we are clearly in the end of days. And Michael, I know you you would agree with that. Yes, that we're in the end times. Totally. You know, and, you know, with the, as far as the Hebrew roots go, it's not the ritual, guys. It's the relationship. It's the covenant that God has with us. You know, so many people scream, you're under the law. You're under the law. You're under the law. We're not under the law. We're not under the, we're, we're under the, we're, we're, we're following God's commandments. What God said to do. This, this is not, and this is even pre-Moses. The Sabbath wasn't Moses. That was pre-Moses. You know, it's like quit taking, you know, and if you want to be under the law, the fact is there was a book called The Law. And that's what he was talking about. He was not talking about the Hebraic roots. He was not talking about the covenant. He was talking about a bunch of legalistic garbage. That's right. The Talmud. The Talmud, yeah. yeah. So don't sit there and say, well, you know, you're not supposed to do that because then you put yourself back under the law. And I'm telling you something, being being where we're at as far as having the covenant, having that relationship with, with Yeshua HaMashiach, the creator of the universe, our God, Adonai, I mean, it beats anything I've ever done. And Isn't it the greatest freedom you've ever had in your relationship with him? That's how it is for me too. And you know, it, you know, we the, like the pork thing. You know, everybody, oh, you know, oh, just eat a little pork. It's okay. Uh, it's not that. It's that you're eating something that God called unclean. And the funny thing is, though, it's not like, oh, if I eat pork, I'm going to be struck with lightning and end up having boils and all this stuff. It's not that. Jesus, is so, Jesus, Yeshua, is so gentle about it. He's not, you know, I used to believe he was like, he was standing over you with a hammer. I mean, because, and that's how mm, mucked up my thinking was, okay? When I first started this podcast, like, I would have loving God Allow that. Give me a break. Okay. That's where my thinking was. I wanted answers. Okay. Over time, I began to learn. Wait a minute. No, God's I got to love. Yeah. Crap happens. Garbage happens. Absolute filth happens. But it ain't God. And then when it came to the pork thing that Mike brought up, you know, it was almost like, you know, I'd really like it if he didn't eat that. Oh. I think I can do that. Occasionally it slips in, you know, you go to a restaurant and you order something and it has pork on it and you're like, uh, and they don't have any substitute and you, or you accidentally eat something and it's not a, it's not a legalistic thing. It's like, God says, it's okay, son. I just asked my forgiveness and it's okay. You know, I'm not going to hammer you. I'm not going to strike you down. 
You know, I know you're learning this stuff. Jesus knows, Yeshua knows us better than we know ourselves. Which brings me to another point, and I think this is kind of probably where we ought to kind of wind this down. God brought you here for a reason. He brought you to this podcast for a reason. If you're a follower of Christ and your life is powerless and you're going, is that all there is? Then this is the path you need to take. You already know who Yeshua is. Discover the other side of it. Discover the the, the, discover the covenant that God made with us. And don't let mainstream Christian churchianity tell you not to. If you, if you are, if you've heard this for the first time and you're going, I really don't know who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus they're talking about? Then you're here for a reason. God didn't bring you here by accident. He wants to have a relationship with you, a covenant relationship with you. Jesus died on the cross. Yeshua died on the cross so he could be the perfect sacrifice. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. And what that means is if we go the way that we're that we're going, we're sinful. Everybody knows we're sinful. We lie, we cheat, we steal. No matter how hard you you curse, we curse. No matter how hard you try, you know, and the, for the men in the audience, you look at a look at a beautiful woman and you lust after her with your heart. I mean, this is all sin. But Jesus Yeshua paid the price on the cross, become the ultimate sacrifice so that you could be saved, so that you could have a relationship with him, so that you could be a child of God. And that's why you're here. If that's you, it's really, it's, it's so easy. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's the easiest thing you'll ever do. Sonda, can you lead us in that real quick? Can you lead us in a sinner's prayer? Sure. Let me just add that the word of God, the Bible, is the greatest love story of all time. He loves you more than you can comprehend. So if you're, if you're not sure but you want to know the truth, then consider praying this. Would you be willing to ask him, Lord, if you're really God, and if Yeshua Jesus is really your only son that was sacrificed for me, and that's the way to eternal life, I really want to know the truth. Would you please confirm that to me? Because if you pray that with a sincere heart, he will answer you. And if you have been hearing Michael and Teresa talking on their podcast for a hundred episodes, hearing as they continue to grow in the Lord. Maybe you have heard, you know who Jesus Yeshua is, but maybe you've never given your life to him. Maybe you're one of the people who's listening, who you're observing what's going on around us in our world. And you're saying, wow, even though I'm not super spiritually sensitive, I can tell things aren't right. This is really not right. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. You will never regret meeting the love of your life. And his name is Yeshua. So if that's you, then just pray this. Lord, I understand that I'm a sinner. I know that you are God. You've revealed that to me. You are the creator of all things. And yes, Yeshua, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins, not just for the sins of someone else. You died on the cross for my sins. 
and you rose from the grave three days later, forever defeating death. You left your throne only one time, and it was to come get me, to reconcile me in relationship with you. Right now, Lord, in this moment, I choose to evict the Lord of darkness from the throne of my heart, and I ask you to take that place. I ask for you to sit on that throne in my heart. I ask for you to take my life. I give my life to you, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me, fill every part of me, drive out, wash away every form of darkness that has been in, on, and around my life, and lead me in a relationship with you that every day for the rest of my life is going towards you, never away from you. And I ask these things as I repent of my sins and invite you to be the Lord of my life. I ask all of this in the name above every name, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, guys, this has been an amazing podcast and it went in directions none of us expected. So let me just share with the listeners, please visit the website, unresolved.life. Please like, subscribe, send emails. Let Teresa and Michael know what you think of the podcast. And please send them encouragement because just like everyone else who's working in ministry with a whole heart, they get adversity. And so your encouragement means a lot to them. They love hearing from the listeners. Visit my website, MyrtleMinistries.com. You can buy my book there on the store page. And please check back with us and join us again for the next podcast on Unresolved.life. God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Yeshua's name. We are just a few days away from the book launch that I've been a part of. You guys have heard about it. It's the God Met Me Here book. If you want to know when this thing goes live, I can't wait to tell you about it. If you'll go to unresolved.life forward slash launch, you'll get um, notification as soon as it goes live. And it's not that far away. (laughs) Oh, man. Only a few days. Wow. Unbelievable. Thank you, guys. And to the next Hundred episodes. Amen. And beyond. I'm Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Teresa Blaze along with Sonda Allison and Michael Blaze. And we will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.